0: All right, welcome everyone to another episode of Behind the Human. I'm your host Mark Champagne and it's my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. Today I'm speaking with Robbie Bent, CEO and co-founder at Othership. Robbie is also building a mental health platform, physical spaces, digital community, digital products to solve the problem of loneliness. After struggling to get his friends into meditation and psychedelic medicines for a decade, he's been building a community that has a proven ability to onboard people into a happier and healthier life. Don't we all need that? Welcome to the show, my man. Thanks, Mark. Super grateful for the invite. and Looking forward to the chat. Yeah, this is going to be fun. I mean, it's... Um... It's always fun when you're doing the research and kind of giving those fist pumps. Like hell yeah! Like I can't wait to dive into that topic. So I'm, I'm grateful as well. Thanks for accepting to come on and, uh, let's kick it off. I'm I'm gonna normally I start the show with the exact same prompt, um, which is who are you? But I'm, I want to try out a different one with you, and it will probably get to the same place. And if not, I won't try it again. But basically, the the prompt that I would love to ask you about is. You know, if you when you live leave a physical room or a virtual room, what presence do you hope to leave behind? I really like this idea of
1: charisma, which I heard recently. And, and so, the definition of charisma: a lot of people think, "Oh, it means like I'm energetic and people vibe with my message." But you know, something I heard recently was that it's just the ability to be authentically excited, and what gives you. Mm-hmm. Charisma is being excited about what you're talking about, really, really caring about it. And so to me, when I leave a room, the more authentic I am means that I'm doing things in my life that I'm excited about and hence living a a more enjoyable life. So I think when I leave the room, I'd like people to think like, wow, that guy is doing what he he wants to do. And he, he seems like happy and excited.
0: Love it. I love it. All right, we're gonna we're gonna chalk that question up to success. that was well said. <laughs> I mean you know I, I ask these type of questions to open up the show just to avoid job titles, right Like we can find all that stuff in the bios and stuff like that. but I, you know I'm interested in obviously the you know the, the show title of the of the podcast like who's behind that human right So a uh, beautiful way to respond and I'm sure this always happens we loop we're gonna loop back to those characteristics just naturally or the show will come full circle so, Hang on, enjoy the ride. Um, and before we get there, I'd love to know a little bit. Just you know, what's the five or ten minute um, quick summary of just like your story? I mean, I, there's a lot there, obviously, but just the kind of the quick summary version of of how you got to where you're at now. Then we'll we'll really dive into othership and all your work and really get into the practices.
1: Absolutely. And I, I really like to tell my, my story from a relatable and, and vulnerable standpoint. So, yeah. people listening, like, yeah, this, this could be anybody, you know? So, I uh, started my career in finance. I was very much like, hey, I need to be successful. And that was a massive driver in high school and university, putting out my hand, getting good grades, wanting like attention, right? Wanting to have nice things, wanting to feel love from others, especially as related to career. That's kind of what I learned from. My parents was like, "Hey, if I'm successful, that's sort of like the key to life." You know that that's yeah. and, and that's pretty common for like type A people. There's this like burning desire to prove something, to like kind of fill a hole um, and get validation. And so that that was like huge for me. I worked in finance. I then left finance to do a startup, and you know, around 2010 when that was kind of new, and the idea was like, oh, "I'm going to build something huge. I'm going to make my mark on the world. I want like yeah, I also yeah. want to be rich and." That that was telecom,
0: right?
1: It was, yeah. Yeah. So we built a a telecom platform um, for international roaming. So it was like a SIM card that would work in whatever... It would work locally with local carriers, whatever country you travel to. And so raised a ton of money, didn't really know what I was doing. Imposter syndrome, like I'm never going to be able to do this. But then half of me was like, no, like you can do this. And made just a ton of mistakes, hired really senior people from like super large companies for a really small company, which is like never... A really good idea which we can we can get into and uh exploded the budget spent a ton of money perfecting a product which is something else i learned about along the way i didn't know anything about like lean startup methods which is <laughs> yeah. you know really define the product out up front and make sure there is uh, a use case for it and that people like it and for us we built all the tech so it had to work in like every single phone in every single country we spent so much money you know 25 million dollars like building out this product and over The time period we were doing the research and development and launching, roaming prices kept declining slowly at first and then 90%. So I got in this situation where we'd run out of money. Uh, The investors were quite angry. I I was, again, like pretty young. We had 100 people working for us and I slowly had to fire people every few weeks. Um, You know, we had to take equipment out of a data center, move it to another one to keep the company going what was People your mental state me.
0: though at that point? Like, how were you feeling? Because it, it was really poor,
1: like a ton of fear. Like for the, about two years in, it became like, we don't have enough money, we need to raise more money. So continuously raising more money, continuously, like the results just weren't there because we'd spent way too much to build something that we couldn't grow into it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And even if that we had some sales, it just like was never enough. And so there's just this fear of like, you're going to lose your job, you're going to lose all your money. You know, yeah. a lot of my friends uh, had you know, they're now like 28, they're getting into their careers and I'm like super worried and like scared. Like, what am I yeah. going to do? You know? And then oh, like, man, am, I, am I a failure? Uh, how do I keep this going? And like, you know, what happens if I have no money? And and this was really like part of my identity was that like, I'm a successful person and that's, that's what I wanted. Like so bad. Yeah. And then at the same time uh, I have ADHD. And so I really love stimulation. Why so I like startups and, you know, extreme sports. And, and I, you know, really struggled with substance abuse. So alcohol, Mm -hmm. uh, drugs on the weekends and started that like started to consume me to, to help with the stress. I never had any of these other practices. And so company itself, um, ended up failing, uh, lost, all the investment personally lost, you know, I, I had invested most of my money from, from finance at that point And I uh, was pretty much broke living in my parents' basement. And so it went through this like really tough, uh, transitionary period. And again, just, you know, friends are going out for dinner and it's like, okay, well, I don't know if I can afford to go tonight. Like, how does that yeah. feel, you know, internally? And then it's just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I really interesting. There's, there's a lot in there to unpack about just like when you, fail there then becomes hope and so the worst part of failing is the fear itself when you when you actually fail you can you know find something new and and when there's hope uh it becomes much easier
0: to to move on with excitement on, can we pause there yeah absolutely Um, Robbie because I I mean I've written about this in my own story and I, I feel like as soon as you lose the hope like that's when things get really challenging and I felt like on my side where I felt like we failed or i failed on the on key on the journaling app like that was the cut like that you know even though there was hype and and downloads and all this stuff like as you know that the, the business model wasn't working out but that still that that still provided this element of hope right like oh well like you know someone just covered the app so obviously you know we're still going in the right direction but so i'm curious from your perspective though like Talk to me a little bit about that moment where the hope was cut off for you like and how did you how did you get it back So the moment you, you know there
1: was probably 2 years of continuous financing and it just became more and more clear that the like we'd raised too much money and there was just no way to generate enough sales to to pay that back and we were just bleeding money because the infrastructure cost so much to mm-hmm. run like we'd built everything ourselves the software the the sim card uh, the the backend carrier platform for interconnects. It was just really expensive. And so it just became clear, like there's no way to get out of this, this hole, but we were still raising money versus shutting it down, like trying to make it happen. Yeah. And so it just felt like every morning, like a punch in the stomach, like it just made you <sighs> feel sick. And, and so, you know, in that case, it would have been better to probably have given up when like, Hey, you know, we actually made a mistake building this. We should have built it for like one phone for Toronto, you know, locals yeah. that are going to England and like mastered that. And so it was just a mistake based on like lack of experience, uh, which is interesting and ties into how we built our business now to validate demand first. But so sure. the hope was cut off, I would say like about two years in. so for two years it was like, like, okay. please, will this work? But like, I don't think it will, you know, so yeah. just kind of going through the motions and that, that when it was, was it, it was the worst and you know it was the fear of like actually pulling the plug and then finally it was just like okay we're almost out of money they're like it's not going to work the costs are too high to even run the business let's just call it we had went from you know 100 to probably eight employees um, we were only like selling one product and and so it was just hey does this even really make sense anymore and after that plug was pulled all of a sudden like half the fear it's gone, right? It's like, okay, well, I'm now moving into acceptance and then this didn't work and, you know, it becomes, well, this isn't actually that scary. I still have the rest of my life ahead of me. And like, what am I going to do next? And then there's a (laughs) door open again for the hope, like, and, and you notice, and with any failure and, you know, for startups, many of them do fail and it becomes, well, like what's next? And that next thing just pulls the excitement out of you. So you forget about the old thing. So it can be, it's it's amazing it's just why failure is not very durable because Mm -hmm. when you you fail you you start something new that will eventually lead to success so it's all about like perseverance and pushing through and then not getting caught up when things seem bad because usually they're they're not and then the second half of my story is like you know sort of by luck finding success uh in cryptocurrency at at the ethereum foundation and, and being lucky to have been there early and so you know, just like when one door closes, it's, it's not
0: about holding on. It's like
1: really realistically assessing where you're at and letting go and then starting fresh. Sure. refresh.
0: Well, there was, correct me if I'm wrong, in between those two big ventures, there seemed to be a pretty big event for you. And that was the the, the Vipassana retreat, right? That, Absolutely, yeah. And so that's that sort yeah, of- Yeah, let's you talk know, about that.
1: I think a lot of times people have to have struggle to, look at to find self-awareness and, and really, you know, things are, are going, you're working away, you're following, uh, your subconscious needs. You're just kind of in your, in your day to day. You're not thinking too much about your emotions, how you feel Yeah, just operating the same way you did in like high school and university and, and so on. And then some type of struggle happens and causes you to reassess. And it could be, you know, death of a loved one. It could be a sickness. It could be losing your job or some type of financial strain, but something happens that pushes you away from plan, some type of like rejection or failure. It could be, it could be a breakup, you know, and you, you kind of hit this point of, Hey, I'm not where I want. And so for me, i broke up with my girlfriend at the time. I had a business failure. They all kind of hit at mm. once at the, the addiction problems. And, I'm, you know, I'm in my parents' basement at what I thought was like rock bottom, just yeah. kind of like, I, what am I going to do? And so, you know, I got really into Tim Ferriss at the time, listening to like Tools of Titans, trying to master sure. my morning routine and like, okay, if I can win the morning, I can, you know, I can win my day. Maybe I can change my life. And and then from that, I realized, okay, I need to change my environment. And so I moved to Israel and was just like, really like, what am I afraid of? And I, and this is when I actually got into like journaling around questions and like self-reflection and was like, what am I afraid of? And, you know, I've had fears my whole life. I was afraid of like scarcity and not being wealthy. I was afraid of not being liked. I was afraid of like fighting when I was a kid and like, I just had a lot of fears. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to conquer my fears. You know, that's the thing I'm going to go to when something is hard. I'm going to like go into it. So that's how I'm going to change my life. And so like, I move out to Israel I didn't know anybody. I'm not Jewish. I don't speak Hebrew. I just like went out there to work with one of our investors on finding new companies to look at. And while I was there, I'd, I'd been, you know, through the Tim Ferriss doing meditation, like headspace, 10 minutes a day kind of thing. And I was talking about it with someone and they were like, hey, you should try this Vipassana thing. And it was Christmas and I didn't have the money to fly home. So I just stayed in Israel and booked the 10 day, which ended on, on New Year's Day, like coming out. I was like, oh, it's, you know, this is going to. Like I'm going to learn something here. And yeah. I really, um, it's so interesting because in a Vipassana retreat, you're doing about two years of daily meditation and, and 10 days, you know, sure. so a 10 minute calm or headspace is, it's just like accelerating the acquisition of a new skill. And so, you know, meditation, a good way to think about it, a nice analog is like playing a guitar or, you know, a sport, like you're not going to pick up a guitar and play a song. And so for most people, first time, fifth time, 10th time, nothing's happening. I'm not feeling it. There's no noticeable difference. There's nothing here. It's difficult. Am I doing it right? And so when you go to a retreat and you just put in the 10 days, it seems challenging, but it's actually the easiest way to learn because you learn it all so quick and then you sure, and you feel it right. And humans need feedback. And so when you get that yeah. feedback, you start to feel like, Whoa, what are all these emotions coming up? What are all these thoughts that are here? And you start to like assess what they are. So that was my first Real stuff into like, I think, personal growth and, and transformation.
0: Hello, everyone. I first wanted to say thanks for being here and I hope you're enjoying the show. I wanted to let you know if you're interested. I just launched the Better Questions newsletter designed to provide you with a consistent 15 minute opportunity to pause and think because a pause leads to clarity and operating with intention where we all win and thrive. The newsletter is short, simple, and practical, providing with three quality reflective prompts and mental fitness twice a month. But as always, I'll adjust the frequency based on your feedback. Never forget, at any point, you are always one question away from a completely different life or outcome. You can sign up over at BehindTheHuman.com, which will also give you a free preview of my debut book, Personal Socrates. BehindTheHuman.com. Now back to the show. Well, I find, and this is just my opinion, but I find combining meditation and journaling, just, it's just such a superpower there, because I, to me, meditation helps still the mind, or calm the mind, let's just say, or be more aware and present with whatever's going on, um, and then journaling helps unpack you know, what, it, what you can now see, for example, it's if you start combining those things uh, you can really accelerate a lot of work, personal work and development, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, uh, there's
1: just so many of these modalities that, that go so well together. It can be combined with like, you know, talk therapy, with psychedelic medicines, with breath work, with even exercise, with fasting. So there's so many of these things you can, you can stack together, but I think, um, some type of self some type of way to calm the mind and, and find yourself in the body and then finding introspection is really uh, key just to understand how you feel. And so if I asked most of my friends in my my friend group, like, hey, how did you feel today? You know, what emotions did you feel? I think 99% of people would not be able to answer that. It's not something yeah. we're taught, like emotional For sure. relations, emotional intelligence. How do I actually feel and why? And so even with six, seven years of these practices, I'm still like, you know, I get angry. I lose my temper. I'm like yeah, you're anxious. Human. <laughs> and you start feeling it in your body. And and it's and why am I feeling this way? And it's kind of hard to assess. So I think that in itself like comes from introspection is developing that skill. Like if you know how you feel and why, then you can start to make change. So I totally, totally agree with you.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing too is the the other the the other nice thing about where we're at right now, I think just in society, it's starting to advance to the point where it's okay. Or we have the permission to talk about this stuff and people are starting to dive deeper. And then again, being open with others, you know, like I was thinking when, when, when I was going through something that was pretty tough a couple months ago and I'm in a men's group that meets every couple weeks. And, and I just messaged the group and one of the guys said, Hey, I'll happy to jump on the, on the call, just to hold space and, and whatnot. And it was just me and my, my wife was gone and my son was with me for the day. And, He's like, you know, if you feel comfortable, it's okay to let him know. He's five. It's like, let him know that dad had a bad day at work. You know, you don't have to get into all the crazy details, but just like sharing that so that, you know, because you, kids and, and people around us pick up on our, our energy all the time, right? And just so he knows, like, it's not something he's done, but I'm, you know, I'm, not, I'm a little off today. And it just made me think like, I, I mean, I never had something like that with, with my dad and we, we had a good relationship, but just, you know, like most, it's just that that era or that time, we just did not do that, right? So it's it's encouraging to see that this work and the support is is out there and it's becoming more and more prominent in our daily lives.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So really excited about that specifically and creating experiences that allow people to connect as a first step, because it's really difficult to invite someone to a men's group. It's like, Oh, what is this thing? I'm going to open up in front of these strangers. This feels weird. Why am I doing this? It's the same with therapy. It's really difficult to find a therapist, become vulnerable, admit there's something wrong. And, And especially because most people, before you even get to the stage of like needing that, You've already broken down, right? And so it's it's yeah. People find these things when they've when they've broken down. But what about before that? You know, when you're starting to feel stressed? And so, what are ways to make emotional practices fun and accessible so that people can learn about these things before they they've broken down? And that's something I'm just extremely yeah. passionate about.
0: Yeah. Well, let's. I mean, you set up a really nice segue for that because I mean, let's talk about that. I, I feel like you've got some experience in this realm because you at one point. You know, had hundreds of people showing up to your backyard to do, you know, cold plunges and breath work and stuff like that. So why don't you just connect the, you know, uh, Ethereum world or or wherever you were there? Then now, obviously, like the work that you're doing now and everything that's coming up, and then we can get into some of those practices. It'd be amazing to to open up the minds of the the listeners as well, like specifically on some of the sound healing you're doing and all that stuff. Absolutely. So you know had this transformative
1: meditation experience this retreat yeah. on that retreat i learned about psychedelic medicines uh soon after i'd flown to peru and in peru did a you know four ayahuasca deep dive in the jungle um through that found the source of a lot of these traumas related to like self-love and uh never drank again actually and so it'll be six years in january oh, and wow. During that ayahuasca experience, I had met, I went with a pretty good friend who was really into Ethereum and and Bitcoin and was a big investor in that space. And he invited me to come out to San Francisco to help his team, um, assess crypto projects. And so I was like, okay, this seems cool. Everybody's really smart. And so I moved out there. Ethereum at the time was, I think, $6. And so it's now, you know, 4,000 and, uh, I worked in that space and you know, all of a sudden I was working with like people who were my tech heroes and that platform exploded and i felt success and i felt worthy and you know i was around all these smart people it was like taking this huge risk that that paid off and financially things were like worked pretty well and so it went from in like a two-year period you know this like ultimate low to really like the best i was feeling and i a lot of that came from meeting my my now wife uh who's just amazing and having really healthy support being sober, uh, and then doing a lot of these practices. And so kind of like the daily meditation, the daily journaling, the psychedelic medicines, like, you know, once, twice, three times a year, uh, really helped make like lasting behavioral change. And through that, I wanted to teach others. So I started teaching meditation. I started, um, guiding people through psychedelic experiences and like sending them on retreats and stuff like that. Um, but really those two things didn't stick and i found the feedback with meditation made it difficult and so even with I, like personally it's a, it's a it's an incredible habit for me it's helped me beyond belief uh, however even with you know massive multi billion dollar platforms and marketing like only i think 15% of north american population has a daily practice is just very hard technique yeah. and so for my yeah. friends a lot of them were like you know nothing's happening i don't get it i'm busy I downloaded Headspace and, you know, I'm not using it anymore. And so I saw that. And then with psychedelic medicines, it's a big problem with legality and then like fear around what's going to happen to me. And then, okay, well, where am I going to do this thing? And then, okay, I've done it. Now I'm coming back. How do I change my life? And so I kind of saw these things working for me because I had this system and this like amazing wife who was super healthy and I was around people who were inspiring me. And so there was a whole bunch of components that made the behavioral change stick so I thought mm. about that a lot and, uh, had moved back to Toronto and I had just, I uh, love bathhouses, like sauna, ice baths, like oh, one of my yeah, favorite things too. in the world. So just like heard about it on Rhonda Patrick. It was actually my yeah. third date with my, my wife and we went to a bathhouse together and then we were always doing them around the world. I like, probably went to 60, 70 bathhouses and like, that's what we would do for fun. And so where are some of the best home, ones? The best one I went to in the world, I think my favorite is in Berlin. It's this place called Vibali, and it's like okay. insane, like legit 10 saunas, like multiple cold, cold experiences, performances in the sauna, like cr- just crazy, beautiful design. Wow. So that, that, I have a funny story about that, which I can maybe tell later, but sure. um, that you know, we, we just love doing that. And so when I moved to Toronto, I just built an ice bath uh, in my backyard and we started offering it to, you know, neighbors at first and then friends and then like people that live nearby and just through word of mouth and people posting it on Instagram. We grew the community to around 200 people and friends <laughs> would just awesome. would just like show up and be like, it'd be, you know, morning I'm making my coffee and I'd look outside and people would be in the backyard using the plunge. And it was like, <laughs> it was cool. Like I saw, yeah. like at first I was doing a lot of this stuff for health benefits and there were a ton of health benefits, we, which we can get into, but what I saw was a onboarding into the present moment, into a meditative state, into your body. And so, you know, 50 year old lawyer, that's been like working a hundred hour weeks, his entire career and like addicted to the phone, you know? So this is someone you can imagine like super type A person. I would see them get in someone who's not about like spirituality, energies, Chris, someone who's like very by the book and get in and I would see their mind stop and kind of, they'd be like, what is happening? And so, We really leaned into that and started using like subconscious reprogramming techniques, NLP and hypnosis techniques, helping people learn to surrender in the ice to sensation and let go and and doing what we're calling like emotional regulation, emotional training. And it just exploded. So people were like, wow, this is so cool. I want to go deeper. And then, you know, it becomes winter. So we live in Canada. And so we converted our garage into like a little pop-up with an (laughs) ice bath and a sauna and a tea room. And so, you know, the 200 people literally grew to 2,000 and we started doing all kinds of crazy classes. And so just adding like, okay, let's try a sauna in the dark and you know what, we're gonna have everyone set an intention. Okay, let's try like some vocal toning with a sound bowl in here and we're gonna have everyone doing like a sea of ohms, you know, or let's get two people in the ice bath and have them uh, connect via an eye gaze and hold hands and connect their breathing. Or like, let's Mm. do breath work in the sauna. So we started developing all these awesome, classes and then realizing like, wow, this is a really amazing way to connect people with their emotions, except we don't really sell it like that. You know, so it doesn't have to be come fix yourself or mental health. It's just like, come to this really cool place that feels like a Soho house and yeah. then have your mind blown unexpectedly that like, wow, you're going to feel gratitude and it's going to be cool. And yeah. so that was something that really was unexpected and changed our mind was like having a class In the sauna and cold bath, which I actually haven't seen anywhere else in the world. Um, No, neither vibe. Yeah, so that sort of led us down this path of like, wow, there's something really here. So I I left my job at Ethereum, partnered with my wife and and three of my best friends. And so we're now building a flagship space in Toronto with a 45 person sauna, like epic sound system, light system. And so there'll be classes in the sauna, like I, I mentioned. So imagine you know, 45 people around, everyone breathing, somebody playing like a giant drum and like guiding you through a meditation and super hot space where you have to push it together. Kind of similar to like an exercise class and then going into an ice bath where you're pushing yourself with a partner and doing an eye gaze and then everyone shares. And so the idea was creating these like emotional training classes that are super fun and uplifting and getting mm-hmm. people to, you know, we we mentioned before, like how do you know how you feel? It's teaching you a bit about like, when feelings come up, what are they? How do I breathe through them? How do I let them go? What is my nervous system state? You know, yeah. so when you get in the ice, you feel that fight or flight, that gas pedal, you know, that like fear, anxiety, and you teach yourself through breathing to let go relax. And so that extends to life. It extends to anger, embarrassment, fear, rejection, shame. These feelings are coming up. It's like, Oh, I know this one and I know how to breathe yeah. through to relax. So it's all about teaching people that in a way that's inspiring. There's, an awe. there's belonging. Uh, And then at night, after the classes are done, 8 p.m. to 1 a.m., it's a social hangout. So the idea is, you know, you come with your friends instead of going to a restaurant, having a bottle of wine or going out to a bar. There's this place that makes you feel great, but it's also healthy. And so if you're into meditation or psychedelic medicines or journaling or personal development or nutrition, like where is the space? All these things are kind of new. Like in the last 10 years, they're becoming popular. And now there's enough people that are like, hey, you know what? I want to go connect in a new way the same way you mentioned connecting with your your son right like yeah. 20 years ago wasn't this wasn't how people connected but now people are craving like yeah i want to talk to people i want to share so we're building a space around that uh, in a new way so that's like i'm so excited about yeah. that and i've seen it lead to transform i've seen people come in you know they do the ice bath and they're like i want to go deeper so then we we've built uh, an entire breathwork program and a breathwork app and we just found breathwork was another one of these things like the ice bath where you could feel it instantly. So people are like, you know, maybe 20 years ago, we didn't have phones. You could slowly get into the present moment, but now with like so much attention on the phone, like you need the bazooka to get people into the present. And so it's these so true. These peak experiences really, really help. Right. And with yeah. psychedelic medicines, they're quite strong. You can't be using them all the time, but you can do the cold bath daily as a way to, you know, get into the moment. So we saw the cold bath, we saw the breath work and then, people were like, wow, like this is changing my life. And so many people who are struggling with like addiction, body issues, anxiety have like come into the community and just felt better and better and then found others to inspire them on their journey. So instead of you going it alone, you know, there's like, Hey, here's a community in a box of people who are listening to Mark Champagne's podcast and Tim Ferriss and Socrates and Reed Ryan holiday and all these things. And want to get better like let's put them all together in a group where they can hang in person and we just found that it's the results are amazing people are making friends feeling better about themselves and yeah. more meaning in their life so that's what the end goal and so you know aside ice bath in the backyard has turned into now we, we raised uh, venture funding and so we're building both the app which launches in a couple of weeks and then this physical space and the idea is like if you live in toronto for now but hopefully many cities in the us you can join this community and become healthier and happier yeah.
0: Love it. I love it. I think what's, I mean, what's genius about the, I guess the protocol or the flow of it is just like you said, I mean, I think we we're just, we're not there yet to not require like that big hit, right? Like the cold, like you, you, it doesn't matter what mental narrative you're rolling when you come in, as soon as you hit that water, that stops, right? Like, and you have no choice. And I, I, I think and same with breath work, right? Like if you're if you're really paying attention, to your breath, like it's nearly impossible to be thinking of other things, right? So, I agree because I, I, I meditate as well, and um, you know, there's a lot of really good science behind it and all of that. But it, again, it takes a lot longer, I think, to physically feel the benefits. Whereas these practices, you know, can at least jolt you into it, and then all of a sudden, the beautiful thing about it, then all of a sudden, you're opened up to all like the whole ecosystem right? Like the sound healing, like the, you know, more meditation or different journaling practices. There's just, there's an endless amount of, uh, exploration that you can do in this space that to me, it's, it's so exciting because it seems to be like, we're starting to shift, like just how it's common practice to go to the gym and, you know, use those facilities. And like, that's part of your regular routine that, Going in and working on your mental fitness and your spiritual fitness and and you know everything in between is starting to become a little bit more mainstream, which makes sense because like it's it's your mind telling you whether you're gonna go to the gym or not. So I'd rather have that dialed in first. Absolutely. Exactly. And and you know, so then
1: how do we make these things more fun for more people, right? Yeah. And more approachable. And I think you do that. And so I had some experience at AA amazing program but you know the one i went to was just in a in a basement of a church and it felt very much not inspiring in in ways it was like yeah i'm broken and so i think again back to this point of like preventative having things that are helping strengthen you before you have these like big collapses Mm -hmm. is fantastic so can we open people's minds you know if you're like yeah i'm going to soul cycle you're like yeah that's awesome like you're crushing it you know so it should be the same thing of like yeah, you're doing your gratitude journal yeah you're crushing it right so how do we make gratitude journals and meditation and breathwork and this stuff, cool. And I think there's a combination of explaining the science to people so they're not skeptical, which is kind of where we're at now. And then combining that with awe, like, how do you inspire awe? And so, you know, you're in a 200 degree sauna. uh, There's an ice ball that's exploding over the stove with just orange and sandalwood essential oils in the air. There's music playing. That's like thumping your body. You're breathing along. There's a facilitator dancing with a towel. The lights are going on and off. You're like, wow, I'm in, and this is like a Cirque du Soleil experience. You know, you feel like, okay, yeah, this is cool. Like it's entertaining. And so I think that those don't, they can be mutually, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. Like you can have Mental wellness practices, but you can tie it with like feelings of awe to make it fun and totally. In the past, everyone a lot of mental health stuff is focused on you're you're broken versus hey, like let's inspire you.
0: And yeah. I think
1: that's what's really
0: really exciting is creating that. Yeah, that's why I mean that's why I like the language around just mental fitness. It already it feels more you know progressive and that you're you're taking charge of that. Um, of that initiative for example versus like you said like mental health there's a lot of there's a lot of stigma there and it's it's usually coming from a place of i've got to fix this or whatnot so yeah there's it's exciting it's a really exciting time to be in this in this space um, i'd love to just ask you how you're thinking about the balance of online and offline with the services and like because that i mean that's the reality of our world we're still very much connected online and there's a tremendous opportunity for resources there, but it's also keeping us online. And then there's obviously the, the the human connection part that I know you really believe in. So I'm just wondering, like, as you're building out these these products and services, like, how are you trying to tie them together or keep them somewhat balanced so that they the, they support each other essentially? So I think the the idea is that a physical space that you go to
1: without community can be impactful, but not as effective as if you're doing this with friends or meeting friends in the same mind state. Mm. And then physical space can also be expensive. So how do you make it accessible as well? And so I think the juxtaposition is like some things you do want to be doing on your own, your, your mindfulness practice, your daily journaling, your daily breath work. And for that, having an app that guides you through in an easy way is super important. And so for me, I think, hey, I'm coming to this physical space once, twice a week, uh, on top of that, it's nice to have a digital community cause it's easier to meet people. So while we do have, you know, we're encouraging no phones and, uh, you know, sharing in the classes and there'll be a great way to meet people sometimes going at that bar or that new space to a stranger and saying like, Hey, this is who I am. is challenging. Right. But if there's yeah. a digital community layered on top, it's much easier to meet people. So it's, you know, maybe there's a 30 day gratitude challenge where everybody's sharing and you see like Oh, Mark Champagne shared that he's grateful for, you know, his son's birthday. That's cool. I'm going to message him about it. And that's like, let's go to the physical space together. So I think the digital aspect gives people a chance to connect in lower stakes. So it makes mm-hmm. it easier to build your community and get familiar. And that can happen on Slack. It can happen via an app. It can happen on Instagram or social. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, it also makes things more accessible. So maybe I can't afford to go to the physical space every week, but I can go every two weeks. And then in the meantime, I can work on my breathwork practices via the digital interface. And then also the, you know, the app itself uh, makes it easier to expand. So we can go to new places. We can start selling in the US to American customers and kind of decide where's the next place to open the physical space. The The problem with physical spaces, they're just very complex. So super yeah. expensive, hard to staff. You need to hire a lot of people. You know, there's a build out, there's permits. There's just like, it's like to, to, this has been a two year journey to get this space open and, and, you know, required a bunch of investment and raising funds. And so it's not approachable to, to many. Um, and then by the time we have spaces all over, it's just gonna, you know, take years, maybe a decade. And so the app gives people the ability to like join the community now become part of it. And then hopefully when the space opens in their city, you know, they can then go
0: love it. Well, before I get your journaling prompts or some questions that you float around in your mind uh, throughout your journey, where can where can people find the app and connect with uh, the work that you guys are doing? Absolutely, so uh, in the App Store, both the Play
1: and, and Apple Store, it's just called Othership. Uh, Othership. So Other and then Ship combined. And, and the name we were thinking of is really people are coming on a journey when they go through these peak experiences, whether it's your health journey, your longevity journey, your personal journey inward, you know, breath work, hot, cold. These are all these peak experiences that take you somewhere. Hmm. And so we thought it's cool. It's not like a spaceship or an earth ship. It's just a, it's an other ship. It's the ship that like you are journeying on. Everybody who's coming is journeying somewhere. So we just call it like your ship, your journey. It's the other ship. And then the other cool thing is like, it's not just where are you journeying, but like what are you journeying to? What are you working on? And so it might be relationship, apprenticeship, mentorship, companionship, friendship, partnership. What, you know, portion of your life are you are you working to improve or get back to? And so it's just the othership. And so we really like that language that kind of encaptures um, journeying and yeah finding uh but in a capsule that's like kind of cool and, and funky and so yeah so as you can find the app is just Othership, and then if you're in toronto at brant and adelaide you can come find uh our physical space and book at othership.us
0: amazing well i will definitely be doing that um last question for you sir just what and it's related to your questions just wondering if there are any reflective prompts that you know, you think about on a frequent basis for your own journaling practice or that have helped you in, you know, big life-changing moments or decisions?
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, Tim Ferriss in Tools of Titans had a ton of questions he was asking. So at one point I like took all the good questions and I, I was reflecting I on them think. each day, uh, <laughs> you, you know, now I've your book, uh, upcoming book. That's, that's awesome. Again, with like really cool chapters are laid out by question. just thinking through like, what are the questions? And so a few that have been impactful for me, I mentioned before, is just like, what am I afraid of? Yeah. And that because one. there good. was like so much fear. It was like, okay, well, whatever I'm afraid of, the opposite is the core value I want of bravery. And I'm going to put myself in scary situations so I can reduce the fear. And and so I really kind of over-leveraged that for probably the last seven years. It's not really a, something that's that important to me anymore, but it helped me you know, get my skydiving license, move to Israel, yeah. move to San Francisco to be in crypto, go and do ayahuasca, try all these like scary, challenging experiences. Yeah. And, and what I learned through that is the more... Uh, fear. You put. I actually. <laughs> I did this uh, eight-day dark retreat, like living in a cave this year, which is a pretty interesting experience. It's the more you put yourself through, the greater your tolerance for discomfort. And so, an example for that is like in Ethereum. I don't have a, a science research background, and you know, I was trying to learn all these things with like PhD professors, crazy words. It was like most people would be in that experience and say, you know what, I'm the dumbest person in the room. I don't know what's going on. I'm not going to be able to sit through this. And just yeah. because I had that tolerance for discomfort, uh, I was able to like actually learn how these systems worked and, and get into the ecosystem. And so the more you put you yourself through challenging things early in your life, the more you realize like you're actually capable. And yeah. so that was a really interesting learning. Uh, now I've started to move into what is enough. And so it's a, that's a, that's a really interesting question because I've, financially i'm in like a really good place um i'm building something i really care about i'm married i'm looking forward to have kids my life i'm like quite healthy like everything feels like it's in a really good spot but there's still this same drive as there was before like build this big business you know make more money get like people to like you like be successful like these same thoughts of like you know i need more validation but like why you know and so it's a question of like what is enough like why does this have to be in every city? Why does it have to be this big app? And part of me is like, cause I want to have impact, but mm-hmm. there's definitely some ego behind it, you know? And like, I'm just aware of yeah. that. So the question is like, and it's always like, you're never going to be, it's never going to be enough. There's always more. And so just something like I went from a mind of scarcity before where I just didn't have anything and like, wasn't in a good spot to now I am in a good spot. And it's like, okay, well, what happens in this spot? So those are two kind of the questions have changed. It's an interesting way of like the question you need kind of comes to you at the time you need it. So, you know, for so me key. now, what am I afraid of isn't really as important, but like six, seven years ago, what is enough wouldn't have even made sense. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, that's, I guess the third one I would just give to you is, you know, find the question that resonates with you for the, the time you're, you're in.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, I subscribe to that. That's the whole reason the way or why personal Socrates is laid out the way it is, right? It's just, I'm a firm believer that um, we're, we're obviously all at different parts or area or or places on the, on the path, right? Or our journey. So, you know, your, your question, you know, of uh, what am I afraid of resonated at that time? And it will resonate with a lot of other people, but we're all in different places. So, um, you know, find that question that lands with you right now, because that's, that's where you need the the pause or that's where you need to t- to take some time to think and reflect and and bring some more clarity right so then you can step into being a little bit more intentional with what you're doing um so i love that i love that and you know what is enough you, you don't have to give the answer but how do you that's a big question right like how have you been approaching answering that you just are you kind of like did you put it out there and are letting it sit a bit and just you know, navigating or coming back to it or how how have you approached that? It's a big question. So I definitely have written
1: down and, and this year as I got busy, my habits, you know, so if you're listening and you're like, oh man, like I'm struggling. My habits aren't in place. Like my habits aren't in place right now. Like I'm working too much. I got into, you know, coffee every morning, then not eating through the day. And then like sometimes fast food at night and not working out as much because of COVID. And so, uh, just like when things get busy, you know, you, you prioritize certain things and right now work is prioritized. And that's why this question is coming up because I'm happiest if I have time. So if I wake up in the morning and have time to meditate for 30 minutes and go for a walk, that day is going to be a good day. And so it's not even, it's, you know, I have these goals that I want to hit, and they're there and, and some of them financially I've hit. And so I'm, I'm. this is a hard question for me because I'm working more than I'd like to. I'm out of balance. I know it. I'm yeah, but you know it, that's to, key. Yeah, and I'm just struggling to, to fix it, you know, because yeah. it's exciting. Like I love going on podcasts. I love telling my story. I love like I'm so excited to launch this app to open this space. Like I yeah. love guiding people, you know, facilitating. And so again, it's like, what is enough if I facilitate for 10 people? If there's another 10 that are going to come in. So like how much time? goes to helping others versus working on yourself. And then, you know, if I want to build the business from selfish or non-selfish reasons, that comes from like my relationship time. And so this idea of what is enough, I think is it's really more about like balance mm-hmm. and finding balance. And so I tried like tracking my schedule for a while and like booking in certain time for me, but I don't have answer to this question yet sure and i think sure. it probably relates to just uh surrender and like prioritizing more time for myself that that's really the answer is just more time for myself but i haven't been able to execute on that so if anyone's listening and they're like yeah i know i, I know the answer like work less hard i mean i probably know yeah. the answer but i just haven't been able to yeah uh, of course. effectively do it yet so that's that's my my work is to surrender a little more and like you know, really sit in like, hey, this is enough and, and book more time off.
0: Yeah, but I think a question, you know, and, and this might help you uh, as well, but just, you know, starting with what is enough is, is the pause that then allows, you know, to go down that that train of thought. And I think the next couple questions would be, well, what what makes you happy, right? And you mentioned, you know, when you have some time and you can take that walk or meditate or do some, you know, breath work or, you know, whatever those things are, then, then it's just a matter of, well, this is the list that makes me happy. This is what my calendar looks like. Like, how can we marry them up a little bit more slowly? Right? It doesn't have to be this massive shift overnight, but maybe it's just adding in that thirty minutes every every day right now, and then slowly um, making sure those two lists start to coexist. Right? Because if we have all the answers with these things, we know we know what what lights us up and what what'll make us feel good and healthy and all of that. So. Um, so thank you. I mean, thank you for these prompts. Thanks for sharing your story. Um, and then a bigger thank you, obviously, for you dedicating your energy and your, your effort and your time every day to help other people out there and bring these practices and this way of thinking and this way of living and connecting with other stunning humans out there, uh, You know, making that more available and accessible to the world, essentially. So a huge thanks for that absolutely just grateful love you know
1: telling the story and hopefully inspire someone to try breath work or hot cold and understand that there's options you know even if you're at a point where it's a low like it happens there's nothing to be ashamed of it's pretty common and so you know if if you're listening and give one of these practices uh, a try and so super super grateful you're out there letting people tell their stories to help others awesome (laughs)